Hello, sisters. Today's teaching is going to come to you from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, where the Lord says, imperishable beauty of the heart and a gentle and quiet spirit is what is pleasing in God's sight. You know, we are inundated every day by all these outward beauty commercials and advertisements that helps us focus on the outward beauty. But today we're going to focus on developing the inward beauty, which truly is incorruptible. I'm going to give you three keys to how to develop this. And I think the last key is the most important. So stick around. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. And I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hello again. I'm super excited to talk with you guys again today. And what is on my heart today is three ways in which we can work on our inward beauty to be what is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And I'm actually going to be, it's coming from the passage from 1 Peter chapter 3. This is actually a passage where he's talking to women about how to win their ungodly husbands over. And so we're going to start with verse 1 and um, take a look at what Peter, what God has to say through Peter here. It says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word means nagging, being a little nagger, may be won by the conduct of their wives. That our husbands may be won by the conduct of us, that we don't have to always have the last word or speak a lot of words or be contentious. So um, verse two, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by 
fear. And that word fear here means fear of God. And what that means is the reverence to God, that you're walking in obedience to God. You're walking before the Lord and in walking as he has asked us to walk. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, merely outward. And we'll talk about that. Arranging the hair, wearing gold and putting on fine hair. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible, the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Look at that. That's incorruptible beauty. There you go. Right. Because outward beauty is corruptible with what gray hairs and wrinkles and gravity and old age and whatever. You know, it's it's it does. It, it eventually has its effect on us. But on the inward. No. Which is very precious in the sight of God very precious in the sight of God. And we want to be precious in the sight of God, don't we sisters? And he's looking, he says, I don't look at the outward heart or the outward appearance. I look at the inward. I look at the heart. That's what he says. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He judges the heart of people. And so we're going to kind of dive into that today. I love that God made women so beautiful. You know, I, I can only imagine what it was like for Adam when he first awoken or, uh, you know, awoken from this um, sleep that he was under and here a rib had been removed. And here is this beautiful, beautiful woman, you know, and he didn't ask God, like he didn't say, okay, God, I want her to be five foot five. And I want her to weigh this and her hip size that and her bust size this and her hair color that and her eye color. He didn't, he didn't have a say in it. God knew what was perfect for Adam. And he made her perfect for him. And he was so taken by her beauty and what he had saw in front of her. Whoa, man, this is the woman of my flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. She is gorgeous. And she fits like a glove. She is perfectly made for me. And so I just love that, you know, it just shows God's creativity. And I just want you to know uh, that you are absolutely beautiful just as you are, the way that God has made you, your eye color, your hair color, your skin color, your size, your height, your, your, your voice, your voice is beautiful. Everything about you, there is no one like you. God made you unique. You are, you, you are the only one with your fingerprints and the only one with your DNA and the only one that has been put together so perfectly the way that you have been. And I, so I just want to say, I just want to speak that into you, that you are so beautiful. Please look in the mirror and see yourself the way that God sees you and the beauty that is, that is, that is you uniqueness. That is you made in the very image of God. And so I just want to say that to you on the onslaught of this. Um, and so we're going to get right into it. So we're not to adorn ourselves merely with just outward things and outward beauty. And we, we are so enamored by that because that's all we see. It's all our culture is about is youth and beauty, right? We, that's all we are inundated every day with Botox and plastic surgery and hair extensions and eyelashes and, 
and nails and name brand clothes and um, being thin and being a certain, you know, everything's got to look a certain way and, you know, boob jobs and this and that. And oh my gosh, you know, it's just, it's constant. It's just like we, especially as women, we are just inundated with the youth and beauty industry, the health industry, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry that is selling all of its products and all of its things to make, to convince us that we need to look younger. We need to be more beautiful. We need to do, we need to do all these things to our body so that we can, you know, we need to manipulate everything so we can be more attractive. But here's Peter. Peter is saying, listen, don't let your outward appearance be what tries to win your husband over. And I'm not going to do this is I'm, I will do one on marriage later. I will actually use this and we'll do one on marriage later. But what he's the point I want to make today, which is what Peter was making was rather let it be the hidden person of the heart because that's, what's incorruptible. The fake eyelashes are going to fall off. The, the hair extensions are going to fall out. The nails are going to whatever, you know, it costs a lot of money to keep up on that kind of stuff. And what, is God looking at? And ultimately, what is your husband looking at? And it's going to be your inward beauty. That's what's going to, that's, what's going to draw people to Christ through you is going to be the fruit of your, of what you're bearing. It's going to be your love, your joy, your peace, your goodness, your kindness, your gentleness, your faithfulness, your self-control. Galatians 5, 21. It's, that's, what's going to uh, draw people to the Lord. It's going to be your inward beauty. You know, I was a woman, you know, as a young girl, I was abused. I was, um, you know, abused in every way that you can imagine. Um, I was abused in that way and it just left me shattered as a young girl and as a teenager and as eventually a young adult. And I had no self-worth and I had I did not see myself as worth anything. And I had so much shame and so much fear and so much anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and all the ugliness that use does to you. Um, I had it and I couldn't let anybody know what was going on, you know, growing up. And, and so I learned how to build a wall around me. I learned how to put a fantasy around me so that I could cope in the outside world. So I could cope in going to school and being around people. I could go into society and be around people and they wouldn't know what was really going on. And so I learned how to put on a really good fake exterior. And I used my beauty to do that. And what I, I became very um, obsessed with my outward appearance. It was all about, you know, I had, my hair had to be perfect. My makeup had to be perfect. My clothes had to be perfect. Everything had to match. Everything had to, you know, be, be very well put together, you know, and then, you know, my home had to be perfect and everything around me had to be perfect. And, you know, um, whoever was dating had to look perfect. Like it was all about this exterior, um, what I was presenting to the outside world was perfection because if they thought that I had it all together, they wouldn't see past it to see that actually on the inside, I was full of chaos and I was full of um, ugliness. Really, it was just the ugliness, whether it was the ugliness of what I had grown up with and what was bestowed upon me 
or the ugliness that um, I then started choosing to do ugly things. You know, I, I was a sinner doing sinful things. And, and so I was just a cesspool on the inside. And, and so I tried to mask that to the best of my ability through outward appearances. And this left me empty and it just kept me in a constant state of people pleasing and man pleasing and never finding who I am and really never also uncovering all the pain so I could start the healing journey until eventually I had no choice but to start the healing journey. As I fell apart, by the way, frictionism, it will, you will fall apart. It can make you fall apart. We got to deal with that. If perfectionism is not a good thing. Um, so my self-worth came from the attention of others and my trauma from my past kept me from allowing anybody to come in and, and know the real me. And because I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to be, uh, I was so ashamed of what I had been through as if it was my fault, you know, and it felt easier to me at the time to cover it all up and mask it um, through my outward appearance than to actually deal with it and give it a voice, um, and actually let it be what it is so that I can start the healing process. So being obsessed with this outward beauty, um, was killing me. And I eventually, you know, so I, I got married and, and I really thought that that, you know, it was my looks that was going to just keep him happy forever. Right. That's, that's what it is. like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just stay pretty and he'll be good. It's like, Oh Lord, Jesus help me. Um, no, that does not work ladies. Um, that does not work. Now I'm going to say a disclaimer here. Let's take care of ourselves. Okay. Let's not go into like, Oh, well, um, you know, let's just work on the inward beauty and we can just let our outward, let it, let ourselves go. I, I think we have an obligation to uh, continue to have self-care and take care of ourselves and, you know, let it not be what you're all about. But that's what I like here where, where Peter, he doesn't say, don't let, don't, don't adorn yourself. Don't do any of those things. He's just saying, don't let your adornment be merely outward, merely. That means let it be the only thing. So he's saying, hey, still braid your hair, right? Still put some makeup on or, 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 um, um, you know, whatever. You don't have to wear makeup. We're naturally beautiful. If you don't, one of those people don't like to wear makeup and you don't need to, great. Praise God. But, um, but what he's saying is it's okay. Yeah. Wear makeup, braid your hair, put, put, put some pretty little, you know, earrings in and, and, and dress nice. You don't have to wear Versace. Nobody has to go out and buy Versace. We got people we need, you know, there's, you know, we got people, whatever, use God's money wisely. Okay. Um, but we can still dress nice in just normal everyday clothes and, and whatnot. So just, yeah, be, you know, continue to, um, take good care of yourself. It's important. I believe that fully. Do I believe that? And I think that is, um, uh, it's good for you. It's good for your, you know, your emotional health, your mental health, your health, your physical health. And I think it's really good, healthy for a marriage for us to continue to, um, take care of ourselves and, 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 be, and stay attractive to the point of what they're attracted to. I'm not saying go out and try to be a supermodel. Don't do that. Um, but okay, let's get back to the point. I'm sorry. I kind of got off on a tangent because I don't want to like 
say that we shouldn't still be attractive and 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 take care of ourselves because we should. But let's really look on the inside, though. Let's look on the inside. What is three ways in which my heart changed? This is three things that helped me to um, no longer, you know, to not put everything on the, on the outside anymore. So let us look at three ways in which we can become these beautiful, godly women that have this incorruptible beauty that's not going to cost us billions of dollars, right? And it's not going to be marketed to us and have this, but this incorruptible beauty that will not, we don't have to worry about gray hairs and we don't have to worry about, you know, sprinkles and all that. And this gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So one, you know what? I think this is important. And we're right around the corner of Mother's Day. We need to connect with a spiritual mom. You need to have an older, tightest woman or women speaking into your life. I think this is so important. As we look at... um you know, Titus, and I'll just look that up here real quick. Let's get to Titus. Titus chapter two, verses three through five. It says, older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed, may not be reviled. This is so important. Paul is instructing older women to um, help the younger women to grow, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be good homemakers, to live a life of self-control and um, and to be trained up in the ways of, of God, to be trained up in his word, to be trained up in um, living an authentic Christian life. And to be that good witness. So that way we're not blaspheming the witness of Christ, not blaspheming the name of God. Like we're not, um, you know, saying that we're Christians, but then we're living a life that's not, does not represent the Christ of the scripture. And so it is important to have um, older women and whether that's older women by age, which that's ideally, obviously the gray hair, you know, but Sometimes it's just people who have been saved a lot longer than you that know the word that are really trained up in it. And so you might actually be older and your spiritual mama, if you will, or your, your tightest woman might be a little bit younger in age, but it's just because you got saved when you were older or, you know, maybe you just never had that or whatnot. You're going through things and she just happens to be a little bit younger, but either way, a tightest woman needs to be older than, um, knowing the word seasoned in her walk and mature in her walk. And also um, typically older in age is, you know, because that's part of it. That life grows you, whether you're saved or not, you're going to, you're learning life lessons. Um, that is part of the human experience, um, whether you are born again or not. So it is invaluable to find an older woman who's been saved for many years um, who understands marriage, who understands child rearing, who knows the word and can teach it to you. We lack this in the body of Christ. We lack spiritual moms and spiritual dads that are willing to come alongside and really train up the younger generation to really come and help with marriages and help with child rearing, help with learning the word of God and really um, doing those things. Um, 
And it, it's sad because it's such a, a, a vital part of the Christian life and the Christian walk and the Christian experience. And because we're living in second Timothy chapter three, where a lot of people are just rebellion, rebellious and stiff necked. We're now finding that the younger generation is having, we're having a hard time finding that they want to submit to uh, the, the, the older people, the elders or the spiritual moms, you know, so that they can help them on their journey. And, um, and so it's becoming a problem, but needless to say, you need to find one. You need to find a spiritual mom um, or a spiritual, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to call her mom, you know, like if it's older than you or whatever, just a, a Titus woman, find an older Titus woman that you can ask spiritual questions to, that you can learn from, that she imitates Christ and you can imitate her. Now she's not going to be perfect. I'm telling you right now, she's not going to be perfect. I am not perfect. Um, I have not met a perfect person yet. Jesus Christ is the only one perfect. And so she's not perfect, but you should be able to see Christ in her, her, she bears good fruit. She knows the word. She can give you the wisdom and that you are, um, submitted to her and her teachings, which are from the word of God, not fluffy Jesus stuff, not just whatever, like really pouring the word into you. Um, she should be meek and humble and loving, and she should be a submitted woman to God. And if she's married, a submitted woman to her husband, um, and a, she should be submitted to the body of Christ um, and to elders that she loves the word. And she's, you know, just she has a submission in her own life. Uh, and, and you know what? In your role in this, if you find this woman to be teachable, to submit to her uh, so that she can teach you and she can help guide you. And you're not always going to like what she has to say. Because our we don't always want to be corrected. We don't always want to do what the Bible tells us to do. But if she is giving you solid biblical advice and it is from the word in context, she's not telling you to go sacrifice cats or do anything that's not biblical. You know, she's really teaching you the word and you trust her, you know, be teachable. Let her, let her show you like the things to do. And, and hopefully she has wisdom and, and, every area as far as being able to help you grow mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And um, so be willing to learn from her, be willing to pattern your life after her. If she is patterning her life after uh, Christ Jesus, just like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He was able to say that because he was patterning, patterning his life after Christ. That did not mean that Paul was perfect. He he's don't, don't pattern anything after him that wasn't of Christ, but the things that were, pattern your life after that. Um, but her experiences are going to be invaluable to you in helping you grow in Christ. And so I, um, you find a woman who has what you want and ask her to, you know, will you disciple me? Will you do life with me? Will you, um, be a, be a spiritual mom to me and, and really honor her time and honor her, um, which honor what she has to offer. And, Ideally, she should be in your local church. She should be in your local body if you can find one. I know they're harder to find. So, um, but either way, but yeah, so that's number one. You want to grow internally. I really believe in discipleship. I believe that God designed his church. He spent three and a half years, literally day and night, seven days a week, discipling his people. And there was women among there too. It wasn't just the 12 men. There was also women that were a part. Um, there were times when it was only just the 12 and then times when there was just the three, but a lot of the teachings, there was a lot of the Marys were there and, 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 uh, different women were around Martha, 
so we have these women. So uh, Paul always had men and women around him that he was discipling. So discipleship is key. And discipleship is more than, you know, one hour together on a whatever. It's it's really doing life together. It's being with one another. It's doing things together. It's it's really spending time together and um, really gleaning from their life. And so um, I think discipleship is something that's so missing in the body of Christ today, but it is like like the number one key after salvation is discipleship. It's how we learn the word. It's how we learn truth. It's how we learn how to live as Christians. It will definitely make our walk, um, our sanctification walk a little bit easier and you will learn faster. You will grow faster if you have, if you have a, a discipleship type person in your life, someone who's discipling you. And if you're doing life with a, a solid group of people, you will grow. Um, a lot quicker. So number two, learn the word of God. This really should be number one, but I think number one and two go hand in hand, discipleship and learning the word of God. They, you, we have to learn the word for ourselves. It's just not even an option. We are, you know, we are, um, literally, literally, we have a famine in the land of the word of God. We, we are just not, not even reading it. And if we do, we're just reading verses and scriptures or out of context, or we're, we just want what we want. Learning the word of God is vital. We must study God's written word with earnest, with diligence. Looking at his word is more than just a toilet devotional. Um, it's more than reading somebody else's book that has scriptures in it. It's more than just watching sermons. All those things are nice. They're great. They add to, they're a complement of but nothing replaces the personal study of God's word. Nothing. I recommend that you get a good study Bible. Um, the one that we hand out here in this ministry and the one that we highly recommend is the ESV. That is the English Standard Version Study Bible. That's the one we recommend. It's, it's orange and white. If you go and look at it online, it's orange and white. It's the ESV study Bible. That's if you get the hard hardback. If you get the softback, it's going to be leather and whatever you want it to be. But ESV study Bible. Reason why I recommend the ESV study Bible is it the theologians that came together to put together that study Bible is fantastic. The historians that came together, the the languages languages that came together, the um you know the, the like I said the theologians they came together. And they were able to put together the, the most beautiful, in-depth study notes. It's going to, I mean, you can sit for hours on just one or two verses if you really wanted to and study. And it's, it's just got, it's just so beautiful. It's easy to read. It's easy to understand. It's the English standard version. They did, they use the oldest manuscripts that we have in our hand. They um, translated it literally word for word, not paraphrase, not man's opinion, word for word. So you're going to get the purest form of what we have in hand today. So you are going to be able to learn so easy. So when you come across maybe verses that are a little more complex or a little more complicated, they're going to have, there's going to be a study note there to kind of help you go deeper, understand what the meaning is, and then take you to other places in the Bible. Cause the Bible always backs itself up 
scripture interprets scripture. Okay. And so it'll help you see where we, where that, where, where other scriptures teach the same thing and the Bible is backing itself up. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I absolutely love that, for, especially for new believers. Um, just such a wonderful study Bible. Highly recommend you start looking at the gospel of John. Uh, just go right to, to the gospel of John and just start reading it using your study notes. And that'll kind of get you starting to learn how to um, really study the Bible. Grab a good concordance. Just uh, if you have a concordance online, I know uh, Blue Bible, the Blue Blue Letter Bible has concordances. And those are just, you know, commenta um, commentaries and concordances. Concordances is going to show you, like, if you just want to know what the Greek word is, like, what does that mean in the Greek or in the Hebrew? And then your um, commentary is just going to be other men, theologians that, um, bring in an even deeper understanding. But all you really need is the ESV study Bible. Seriously, just grab that and you are golden. As long as you have the Holy Spirit, because he's going to teach you, he's going to help guide you through it. And then just take time every day, take time every day to just to spend in it. Whether one day you have five minutes, another day, maybe you have an hour, you know, it, there's no legalism. Just take the time, take the time to be diligent. Say, okay, I'm going to study the gospel of John. Um, and I'm just going to start with John chapter one, and I'm just going to read it slowly and I'm going to pray through it and ask the Lord to show me, what are you teaching me through this? How, you know, what, what does this passage mean? And then how does it apply to what you're trying to say to me today? And I also have a YouTube teaching actually on the gospel of John. I have the whole series and you're more than welcome to watch that. I go line by line. So you can open up your Bible and literally go line by line with me as we go through it. If you so choose, if not, there's all kinds of great sermons out there, but please, please, please open up your Bible and read it for yourself. Don't just go listen to my sermon, my, my teachings or go listen to other, other people's sermons that let's, what does God have to say to you through his word? So let's start learning his word and how to rightly divide it. Too many Christians today neglect the study of God's word, which is a fatal, fatal mistake. The enemy is using this to his full advantage and he is deceiving many he uses the Bible out of context. He takes scriptures like verses and he'll pluck them out of their context and then teach something completely different. He's using men and women all over the world to do this right now. And it's creating a lot of confusion and a lot of false teachers have risen up in these last several decades that have just inundated our Christian community. And it's really, really bringing a lot of uh, confusion and it's stopping people from really growing. And it's, it's just not good. The only way you're going to be able to combat that is to know the word of God for yourself. So that when someone is teaching you that something that's not true, you will know it. You will not be easily deceived. Jesus warned us that in the end days, the, the, it was going to be so deceptive. These false teachers and these false prophets were going to rise up in the last days and they were going to have, they were even going to fake signs and wonders and make us think that there's these signs and wonders going on. And they were going to twist the word of God and they were going to deceive even God's people if it was possible. And so we have to have to have to get our armor on and use our sword, which is the word of God. Last but not least is belonging to a Bible teaching ministry or being a part of a Bible teaching community slash church is what we call it. But we are the church. The church is not a building. Church is a group of people that come together where Christ is the head. And so that may be in a, in a, in an institutionalized setting, like a, uh, an actual brick and mortar building. Maybe it's a good, healthy, uh, house church, whatever it is, Bible teaching. This is vital. There are churches all over, but they are not made equal. 
Many churches today do not no longer teach the word of God, and they especially don't teach it line by line. It's very difficult to teach line by line because you have to know theology and doctrine and these things. And so it's a lot easier just to take a couple of verses and then tell all these wonderful stories. And it's very entertaining as well. If you like that kind of thing, I don't find it entertaining, but we're, so you want to be looking for a family and a community to do life with, not just a place to show up to for an hour or two on a Sunday morning and then, ha- and then live, live anyway, just go off and live whatever for the rest of the week. You're looking for a family and a community of believers. Many will say they're Bible focused, but if you're only hearing like a couple of verses and then just a bunch of stories, that's not Bible focused. Bible focus is re- really taking one letter at a time, breaking it down and giving you life application with it, teaching you through the word of God. This is what the early church did. They just read the letters. They brought forth the truth of the word. And so ideally you want a Bible, that, uh, a church that does teach line by line or verse by verse. It means they take one letter at a time, do verse by verse, kind of how I teach. If you've been listening to my teachings now, not everybody does that. There are wonderful Bible teaching churches or people who teach in context, but they'll bring a lot of different scripture in, but it's very word heavy. So you're getting a lot of scripture and it's, it's built, it's, it's giving you um, a true biblical point. And so that's fine too, as long as it's in context and it's all about Christ. It's all about the word of God. It's all about teaching what the word has to say. Um, you want a biblical church that has godly elders um, who meet the qualifications of first Timothy one through seven. This is so important that we have, um, you know, men that are qualified by God and his word to oversee our souls. Cause they are going to oversee you. They're going to, you know, they're going to help guide you and help teach you and help make sure that you're on the right track and that you're living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Now they're not lording over you. They're not dictators, um, but they are overseen as loving, godly men who um, are serving that that's their job. They're serving you and they're here to help you grow and mature towards Christ. They're, they should be meek and humble and godly men that meet every single qualification of first Timothy chapter one, verses one through three. Um, they hold to the word as the highest standard. They are not compromised in their life. They're not compromised in the word. Um, they know how to love their wives. They, you know, all these things. Um, it's so important that we are not forsaking the fellowship with like believers, with like believers. It's so important. Christ told us, do not forsake the fellowship with like believers. Um, a lot of people have come now where, and it said this in Hebrews, where people just don't think it's a priority to worship on Sundays together with a, with a, with a body of believers on a consistent basis where they are literally one family, one community, um, with consistency. And that is because we are living in second Timothy chapter three. Everyone thinks they're right in their own eyes. They're rebellious. They're stiff necked and God is not pleased with that. So we have, it's important that we are connected um, intimately connected with a body of believers and that we have committed to that body of believers, um, not just on Sundays, but also um, throughout the week and just doing life together. Last but not least, and I think I said that last time, and that was not last but not least, that was actually number two. Number three, which is often overlooked, but is huge for our spiritual growth, serving, serving. It is essential that we are serving our brothers and sisters. God has given you gifts and talents for the body of Christ. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 tells us that whatever we do, we do it for the Lord and we serve the Lord when we serve others. 
This is so important. We were created for good works. We were not created to be spectators. We were not created just to come in sit in a pew, get fed, whatever, and then leave. We are created to serve each other, to serve the body of Christ, to become fully connected. My pinky is serving me just as much as my nose is right now. And as much as my toe and as much my body is working together for me. We as a body are working together for Christ, our head. It says Ephesians 2.10 says we were created for good works. This is always something to do with active body of believers. There's always something. There's always something you can do. You can work in the nursery. You can work in, you can help a teacher in the children's ministry. There's meals that need cooked and taken to shut-ins. There's visitations, shut-ins that can't get out. They don't have a car and they don't have a way to get out. Or maybe they're in a nursing home or whatever. They need people to come visit them and love on them and talk to them and just be there for them. Um, you know, think of ways that you can help bake cookies at the next church picnic or whatever. Is there, you know, a new, a mom that just had a baby and she could use some help, maybe cleaning or cooking, or, um, maybe there's a, a married couple that has a couple kids and they'd love to have a date night and you could just go and babysit for the evening, just offer free services. Hey, can I just come babysit for the night so that you guys can go have a date night? There is always a way to serve your brothers and sisters. There's food pantries that need help. If it's a, a Christian food pantry, if your church has a food pantry, um, evangelism outreaches. Um, there is, trust me, trust me, talk to your elders, talk to the, the women of the church and say, where can I help serve? What can I do? Can I bake cookies for something? Can I babysit somewhere? Can I help in the nursery? Can I help clean the church? Is there a, a cleaning crew where I can come and volunteer my time to, to help and clean? There's always something and nothing is beneath us. Remember Christ came to serve so um, I have no problem cleaning toilets. I clean the toilets of our outreach center all the time. So no problem cleaning toilets, no problem cooking, no problem cleaning, cooking. Nothing is beneath me. I am here to wash the feet of people. That is my job. That's what I'm here for. And sometimes that looks more glamorous when, oh, I get to go and, and speak at a conference versus I'm behind the scenes cleaning off, you know, stuff from a toilet that um, a bunch of kids left behind after Friday night, you know, Bible study and kids thing. doesn't matter. I'm doing both to the glory of God. And I, and I am privileged and honored to do both. Both of them are a privilege and an honor to me to do them. And that's the mindset that we need to have, especially as leaders. You want to be a leader, Jesus says, and you need to be a servant to all. And so start serving, get outside of yourself and start looking for ways to serve. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. He is God of creation. And yet he came and served his creation. How much more do you and I need to do? So in summary, these are, these are the three, three. get yourself a spiritual mama, start getting discipled. This is so important. Learn the word of God for yourself. This will save you from deception. This will help you to grow um, and not just be a hearer of the word, but to do what the, the word tells you to do. If the word is convicting you, it is a mirror unto our soul. As you're looking at the word, ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit, where am I falling short in this area? How can I grow in this area that you're teaching me? What can I do with it? And then last but not least, 
actually so vital to your walk, go and serve and serve your local body. That's where we serve first. You, you got the Holy Spirit has picked a specific group of people. He has put them together as a local body and they are to be serving one another. They're serving God by serving one another. And then they go out and serve the community. That is the ideal church. That is the ideal ecclesia, the separated ones, the set apart ones for God's glory. Um, and so praise God, Lord, I just want to lift up everyone that's going to hear this message today, Lord, that you would just, I ask for spiritual moms to rise up and spiritual dads. If there happens to be somebody that's um, a man that's listening to this, um, for whatever reason, uh, that the spiritual dads as well, but the elders and elder to come into their lives and, and help disciple them. But Father, I am asking for you to rise up the older Titus women that they would want to and desire to raise up these beautiful younger women in God. And I pray, Father, that you would give a burning and a yearning for us to want to learn the word of God, to want to go deeper in your word. And Father, I am praying, Father, that you just illuminate our eyes, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and guide us through the precious word of God and that we'd be so hungry for it that we'd want to eat it like a scroll. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you make us servants, that we were saved to serve. We serve with our time. We serve with our talent. We serve with our money. And I'm thanking you for that, Father. Give us a heart to serve. Show us where you would have us to serve. And I, Lord, I just thank you for each and every person that's listening to this um, on podcast or if they're listening to it on YouTube. Father, that you would bless their lives, that you would bless them with the word. I know that this is what transforms us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. This is how you're going to grow internally. And it won't just be about the out, the, the external, but the internal, my dear sister. So God bless you on your journey of transformation. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would. Head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work grace and peace. I leave with you until next time.